Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 through 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord saith to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, has he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. You can be seated. I hate to remind you every time I get up that I am sober, but I am. I don't always walk where I'm aiming. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be here today and to worship with you and to be asked to speak. And I hope and pray that what we study this morning will be beneficial to all of us, honoring to the Lord and help us to appreciate just a little bit more the uniqueness of the only begotten Son of God the only begotten Son of God. Now this room has many sons and daughters of God in it right now. But Jesus is the only unique, inimitable, one-of-a-kind Son of God. As we look at that, we want to see four things quickly, and I do intend for us not to be here all day. I know that some of you will be itching to get to what's next and I hope you enjoy the day with your family and any gifts you get to give I hope you enjoy the giving more than the receiving but when this question was asked in Matthew 22 Jesus has just finished a confrontation with the Sadducees it wasn't unusual for the Sadducees to confront him trying to catch him in something and so they give him a what if on the Old Testament rule of the man who dies, then his sister is to, I'm sorry, woman who dies, the brother is to have children by her. And seven times he said it happened. And whose wife or whose husband will, will he be in the resurrection? And Jesus said, you're, you're not, you err because you don't know the scriptures. You don't understand. You're asking questions when you should be looking for solid faith answers. And you and I can do the same thing. Now, it's in that setting that he also is asked, what is the great commandment in the law? And so he looks 
to the Old Testament scriptures. By the way, God wrote both the Old and the New Testaments. Remember that. And he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's first. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You take Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, and Jesus is saying that's the sum and substance of it all. That's the key to success and to meaning in life. Give God number one place and treat other people the way you would want to be treated. That's still the best way to live. It was true for the Israelites. It is true for you and me today. But then he asked the question, what do you think of Jesus? Whose son is he? Well, they said he's the son of David. And so Jesus gives them a dilemma. I love it when those who are trying to catch you can get caught. I think it's good for them. And they're caught now. He quotes from Psalm 110, by the way, verse 1. But he says, how would David call him Lord when he's his son? And they don't know the answer. Have you ever been asked a question in, in religious things that you don't know for sure what the answer is? I have too. And in all likelihood, if I live longer, I'll be asked more questions that I do not know. The, I don't, I don't, I'm not proud of my ignorance. I just don't know everything. But I like to remind people that I know who does. That's the Lord. And he's the answer to the questions that we haven't figured out yet. They answered the son of David. The son of David. When you think of David in the Old Testament, I hope you get past his indiscretions, his sins. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, had Uriah the Hittite, her husband killed. Uh, get past that to the time of Psalm 51 when in sincere repentance he pours out his heart to the loving God who could forgive him. And he did. And then he's referred to as the one who is after God's own heart or seeking the heart of God. By the way, if we feel self-righteous when we read about David, and we would never do that, all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. It may not be the same sins, but all accountable people have sinned before the holiness of God. And there are no good ones. There are no pretty ones. They're all ugly. And Jesus died an excruciatingly painful death in order to purchase our redemption from all sin, including that one or the other one. And David could be forgiven and I fully believe that he was. But David represents, or I, I was reading some things about it in the last few weeks and enjoyed the reading very much, but layers of the deity of Christ, the work of Christ. This is one layer where David in the Old Testament was a leader of Israel. He was king of Israel. Jesus was asked when he was on trial before Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? You're accused of being the king of the Jews, are you? And Jesus gave an affirmative reply. It is as you say. 
Today, he is the king of spiritual Israel. If you read Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, you're going to read where it is not the one who is the Jew outwardly today that is pleasing to God, but the one who is the Jew inwardly. It's not the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart. And we are spiritual Israel. The, ch- the children of God are spiritual Israel, and Jesus is the king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And so David, or rather Jesus, would be referred to as the son of David. He's in the lineage of David. In fact, if you read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse in the New Testament, these are the generations of Jesus, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. So sometimes he's referred to as the son of Abraham. Look at that. Now this is before David chronologically. In fact, it's 14 generations. You can name them, or if you want to, you can read them. They're there. But the son of Abraham is the one who came to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham... In your seed, in your coming generations, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Jesus is the son of Abraham. In that sense, he had a relationship with a promise made to Abraham. And we today are privileged to be spiritual Israel. We're privileged to have Jesus Christ's blood cleanse us and to get to participate in the promise made to Abraham and in the kingship of David as you read in the Old Testament. But he's also called the son of man. In fact, he referred to himself 80 times as the son of man. What does that mean? I think it means more than the fact that his mother was a physically live human being. Certainly includes that. It has to do with his humanity. But you and I can identify with human beings. I hope through faith we can identify with perfection, with the deity that he brings to us too. But we can identify with human beings. At times Jesus was hungry. Most of us use that term rather loosely, meaning I've had a meal or two today, I could take another one. That's really not what hungry means. And so Jesus, when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, he's not talking about casual dining. It has to do with deprivation, even to starvation. Do you yearn for the Lord? Do you hunger and thirst as someone who's going to die if you don't find what you're looking for? Jesus is the one that we should desire. And so Jesus was a human being as well as spiritual deity. When you look at whose son is he, who is he to you? Is he the son of man? Yes, but he's more than that. Is he the son of Abraham? Yes, but he's more than that. Is he the son of David? Yes, but he's more than that. And what is it? He is the son of God. The son of the living God. 
On two occasions, we have the Father in heaven speaking where Christ the Son is singled out and He says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was at His baptism. In Matthew 17, when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father said the same thing, but He added, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Hear ye Him. We listen to the Lord rather than to Moses, the great lawgiver. We listen to the Lord rather than to Elijah, the great prophet. Jesus is a great lawgiver and Jesus is a great prophet. I'm going to walk down here and try not to fall because I thirst. I was pretty sure that when I was about six years old, I was going to be a preacher because our preacher always had water to drink. And I never got to have any. I tried it one time, went out to get a drink of water because I was so thirsty. My dad did not ever want that to happen again. And it didn't until just then. When you think of Jesus as the beloved son of the father in whom he was well pleased... It's a cordial term, but it's far more than that. What you're finding is that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. Somebody would say, well, I don't understand that. Well, I don't understand all about it. But I don't need to be afraid of what it says. I need to understand John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. That word means revelation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the living Word of the living God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. God was manifested in the flesh. When you go back in the Old Testament and read the prophecies concerning the coming of the Christ, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When we come to the New Testament of Matthew chapter 1, that that verse is mentioned. And the explanation to Joseph who does not understand the pregnancy of Mary. But the angel of God is explaining it to him. What is happening is in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is God with us. You don't have to be a great scholar for interpretation to see that. Isaiah 7, 14 says, God with us. Matthew 1, 21 says, Jesus, Savior, Deliverer.
Stop and think about it for a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. What we're seeing is the same thing that Thomas finally declared in John chapter 20 after the resurrection of Jesus. Thomas missed the first Lord's Day evening of Jesus' resurrection. But Jesus appeared to the ones who were there. Judas was already gone, and the other ten were there, but Thomas was absent. And he pronounced peace upon them. And naturally, the other ten told Thomas about it. Thomas, you missed it. The Lord appeared. Thomas said, I don't believe you. In fact, I won't believe until I can put my finger into his nail prints in his hands and thrust my hand into his side. That's when I'll believe. The next Lord's Day evening, Thomas didn't miss. And Jesus appeared again. And he said, Thomas, reach hither thy finger and place it in my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. You know what Thomas said? First of all, you notice he didn't touch him. It doesn't say he touched him. He didn't have to. He saw him. And he recognized him. And here's what he said. I get the full meaning of this. My Lord and my God. Thomas was standing in the very presence of the Lord who is God. God who is the Lord. God made flesh dwelling among men. Jesus said, Thomas, you have seen and believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus pronounced a blessing upon Thomas and the others who were there to see it. But read it again. He pronounced a blessing upon you and me. Blessed are those who have not seen. You and I were not there physically. We didn't see it with our eyes. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet we believe. And that closes much of the gospel according to John. When Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well, he tells her some things that she had no idea he would know. And finally, in her amazement, she said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And so he said, Go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. You've had five and the one you're living with is not your husband. She said, we worship in this mountain. That's Mount Gerizim. That's where the Samaritans worship. And you Jews worship at Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying, the time is coming when in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship. Because God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, We know that Messiah is coming, and when He comes, He'll tell us all things. Get this. And Jesus said to her, I who speak unto you am He. Jesus said to the woman at the well, I am the promised, prophesied Messiah. Did he tell the truth? 
If he didn't tell the truth, he takes his place with all the liars and the fakes and the hypocrites who've ever come before him or since. But if he told the truth, it means everything to us with the understanding of being a child of God, Jesus being the only begotten Son of God. Because Thomas could refer to him as my Lord and my God. Go with him to the synagogue in the city of Nazareth where he grew up. He reads from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bring sight to the blind and, and freedom to the captives. He finished that reading of the prophecy of the one who would come and he prepared the scroll to have it put back in its place of honor. And he turned to the crowd there and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, when he said the same kind of thing to the woman at the well, she went and told everybody in town about him, and many believed on him. That wasn't the response he got in Nazareth. Those people decided it was time to kill him, and they took him to the edge of the city so they could cast him over a cliff. But Jesus walked among them and left and went to Capernaum. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the prophesied one who would come. He claimed to be God manifested in the flesh. He either made a true claim or a false claim, and it can't be both at the same time. And we've come together in this quiet community and nestled in southwest Kentucky to say we believe he told the truth. He is the Son of God. He is the only unique Son of God, the only inimitable Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Believe it. And don't just believe it, but confess it. And don't just confess it, but live it. Over the last many years, I've seen several of you come down one of these aisles desiring to put on Christ. And I've heard you and we as a group have heard you as you confessed that you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, is He the Son of David? Yes, but He's more than that. Is He the Son of Abraham? Yes, but He's more than that. Is He the Son of man? Yes, but He's more than that. He is the Son of the living God, the only begotten Son of the Father. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Then you are baptized. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the remission of sins, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, into Christ, into the body of Christ, everything the Bible teaches on the subject, you were wanting to submit to it and not to reject or rebel against any of it. But it's because of Jesus. It's because He loves you and proved it. And He will forgive you no matter what you've done if you'll turn from it and let Him forgive you. His blood is powerful enough to cleanse the vilest sinners. And I know this is Christmas and I know that you probably didn't come planning to do that today. Well, maybe this would be a great day to change your plans.
to believe in Him so strongly based upon the teachings of Scripture, based upon who He really is, that you want to commit your life to Him and to live for Him. Confess your faith in Him. Be baptized like He said. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. And keep doing that for the rest of your life. But you say, well, what if I goof up? Join the crowd. We've all messed up. But that doesn't license us to sin. It simply says He is willing to obey. He is willing to forgive those who obey Him. And He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be saved in heaven when this is over. He did not set up a system so completely complex that we couldn't ever figure out the simple parts of it. He's not trying to lose us. Look at the price He paid to save us. And so believe in Him with all of your heart and act upon that belief. And if we can be of help to you, come now while we stand and sing.